0: We're continuing our series talking about the blueprint, God's master plan for your life. And for some, I don't really know, many times, everywhere we're going in a series. And so the, the um, uh, titles have kind of turned out now to all be part of His plan, you know. And uh, for instance, shepherds are part of His plan. Uh, fishing is part of His plan. Last week, love is part of His plan. And this week, the title is breathing is part of his plan. Now, you probably don't know where I'm going right now with that. Hopefully, at the end of the message, you won't say, why did he name it that? Hopefully, you'll know why I did that. Alright? So, Nehemiah chapter 3, let's look at the next gate that they built. Verse 6, Moreover, Jehoiada, the son of Pasea, and Meshulam, the son of another goofy name, Nobody was named Jim in the Bible. Did you notice that? (laughs) Okay. The guys with weird names repaired the old gate. That's the next gate. They laid its beams and hung its doors with its bolts and bars. Now, why do you think they called it the old gate? Let's just review for a moment. They had a gate that they brought sheep in that gate. So they got the creativity team together they got the graphic artists together, they got the video people together, they got all their, you know, uh, executive team together, and they came up with Sheep Gate. <clears throat> then they had a gate that brought fish in, they went through the whole process again, the branding process, all that, you know, and they named it the Fish Gate. Now this one's called the Old Gate. Any reason why? It was old. These were not real creative people when it came to branding, all right? So they called it the Old Gate. Now, let me explain something to you about that, because this is important. Even though it's the third gate rebuilt, it was the first gate built. The first gate ever built. That's why it was the oldest gate. The immediately, when I read this months ago preparing for this series, it's like, you have to remember, we're looking at the spiritual analogy now of Nehemiah, all right? Uh, we already looked at the literal application. That's a, it's a three-week... You can even get it. Even though it's part of the Blueprint series, you can get just that. We've actually na- renamed that as well, God's plan for Israel or something like that. So you can get those three messages that I did, Pastor Jeff did, Pastor Peter did. So we've looked at the literal interpretation. Now we're looking at the spiritual analogy. Let me tell you what the spiritual analogy means. It means when I read it, whatever comes to my mind is what I'm going to preach. Okay? <laughs> So what came to me that I feel like the Holy Spirit put in my heart for us to understand is this Scripture, another Scripture, let me read it to you. Jeremiah 6.16 says, Thus says the Lord, Stand in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths, where the good way is, and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls, but they said, We will not walk in it. We've got to get back to the... First gate laid, the old path, the old gate. And here's what I feel that means. We've got to get back to the Word of God. We've got to get back to the Bible. We've got to get back to basing everything we say and do and every decision we make and the lives that we live on God's Word. I remember when I grew up and I went to Sunday school, even though I didn't get saved until later in life, when I went to Sunday school, we had a, a Sunday school envelope that we put our offering in, and on that envelope, some of you are beginning to shake your head, you had to check some things off, you know, that you did those things that week. In, anyone remember this? And one of them was that you read your Bible every day, daily, right? I can remember because I just wanted to get the, I check everything, I'd I just, man, I'd be almost asleep and think, oh, I didn't do it, and I'd... Get the Bible out and read one verse and put it back. And I was able to check everything that week on the envelope. But something happened because of this. The Word of God is, uh, is an incorruptible seed. In other words, it lives and abides forever, Peter says. When you put God's Word in your heart, it will bear fruit. It will produce results, and we've got to get back to that. Let me show you a few other scriptures on that. Isaiah forty, verse eight. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Matthew four four, Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Matthew six eleven, give us this day our daily bread. I don't think that's simply referring to physical provision. I think he's also saying because he refers to bread as being the Word of God. We should be asking God for a word every day. Give us this day, our manna from heaven, today. Every day when I have my quiet time, I say something like this. God, what do you want to say to me today? What do you want to say, not just to the world, what do you want to say to me today? And I believe God wants us to read His Word every day. Day It will change your life. Now, flip over. Before you go to John 1, flip just a few pages to the right to Nehemiah 8. Alright? Nehemiah chapter 8. And then, and if you don't have your Bible with you, that's fine. We're going to put all the Scriptures on the screen. But now that you're at Nehemiah 8, we're going to do something we've never done at Gateway. Stand up. We're going to read the Word standing up, and you'll see why as we, as we read it. I'll read out loud. You just follow along, either in your Bible or on the screen, all right? Nehemiah 8, verse 1. Now, all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate. Think about water being the water of life, the Word of God as well. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the Law of Moses which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women, and all who could hear with understanding. That basically refers to children old enough to to sit still in church. <laughs> uh, see, they had kids' church even back then. On the first day of the seventh month. Then he read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate, from morning until midday. This was a Pentecostal church. <clears throat> They went a little longer. Before the men and women and those who could understand, and the ears of all the people, listen to this, were attentive to the book of the law. So Ezra the scribe stood on a platform of wood. just want y'all to know we're biblical here. <clears throat> Which they had made for that purpose. And beside him at his right hand... St- uh. Stood hard word, 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 hard word. word. Alright. Verse five. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above the people, so they could see him. And when he opened it, all the people That's why you're standing. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all the people answered Amen. Amen. while it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible, alright. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And then some other weird name people, and the Levites, let's pick it up, and the Levites, helped the people to understand the law and the people stood in their place. That's my job as a Levite to help us understand this book. Help us, all right? Now, look at Nehemiah 9, verse 3. One other scripture. Chapter 9, verse 3. And they stood up in their place and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for one fourth of the day. I've decided to extend the service today. (laughs) And for another fourth of the day, they confessed and worshiped the Lord their God. All right, you can be seated. Now turn to John chapter 1. John 1. We've got to get back to the Word of God. I am, I told you this when we talked about shepherds, I am extremely burdened that churches are going to reading the Bible less and less and less. I believe it's a plan of the enemy. This book is life to those who find it, and health to their whole body, Proverbs says. Alright, John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Alright, here's the first thing I want to tell you about the Word. Number one, the Word is life. The Word is life. John 6:63. 6, Jesus said, "...the words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life." Proverbs 4, I quoted just part of this a moment ago, verse 20, "...my son, give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes, keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and health to all their flesh." This is what I want you to understand. When you're reading this book, it is not just for knowledge. It is not just for learning. It is not just even because there is history in this book. When you read this book, you are receiving life. Life is being imparted to you. These words are not paid just 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 letters on a page this is life the very life of god is in this book i promise you i promise you if you will read this book on a consistent basis maybe not every day i understand that we have busy schedules i have a quiet time i'm a, you know a lot of preachers not will not tell you this because they want to be way up here and you know that i've never been way up here i've been way down here most times so i'm for me I'm, I'm now i'm up to here okay I have a quiet time about five days a week on an average. It's not seven. It's about five days a week because I'll get busy. I'll get tired. Uh, Sunday mornings is, is an example. I don't jog on Sunday mornings. I jog about five days a week too. I don't jog on Sunday mornings because I've had a, a, a night, the night before. I'm coming here. I sleep as late as I can on Sunday morning. And I don't have my quiet time on Sunday morning. That may be why I'm a little uh, rude sometimes. I don't know. But my point is, I come and I worship God. So, here's my point. When I say, if you'll read the Word, it, maybe you don't get to it every day. But get you one of those where you read through the Bible in a year or something and take a year and a half. Or take two years. It's okay. I don't like the ones that have the dates. You know, that say, June 18th. Because if I miss June 18th, now I've got to read twice as much. See what I'm saying? And then if I miss more, and pretty soon I just say to myself, I'll just start over next January. So so just, just read, and if you miss a day or two or three or a week, it's okay. Just start again. Start again. Here's what I'm telling you. I promise you, if you will read the Word on a consistent or regular basis, one year from today, your life will be different. I promise you. Because you're receiving the life of God when you read this book. And let me show you another Scripture and talk about it. And this is where you're going to see where I got the title for the message. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. Stay in John 1, we'll come back. All Scripture, all Scripture is given by inspiration, remember the word inspiration, of God. And is profitable for doctrine, that keeps us straight in our beliefs, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man or woman of God, either one, may be complete, Thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, how are you going to be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work? By this book. That's it. If you know a man or a woman of God, right now, if you know someone, you say, Now, that's a woman of God. That's a man of God. You're talking about a person who knows the Bible. This is the key. This is the secret. Now, the reason I wanted you to see the word inspiration is, because the Greek word, and I actually put it up so you could see it, is theonustos. Um How many of you know what the Greek word theo means? What does it mean? God, right. You know, you've heard the old joke, you know, the boss comes in and says, this is a the- uh, theocracy and I'm theo. Well, he's not theo. God's theo. A Theocracy means God rules. Ocracy means rules. Theocracy. Uh, theology means study of God. Uh, ology means study of, like biology, zoology, or any of the other subjects you used to hate. But theology means study of God. All right, Theo is God. Nostos means breathed, not breathing, not breath, breathed. God breathed. Matter of fact, here's what the NIV says how it translates 2 Timothy three sixteen: All Scripture is God breathed. In other words, God literally breathed the Scriptures. This is why I say it's life. When you read the Word, the breath of God is coming in you. It's so much more important than, oh, I just need to read the Bible so I'll learn things. No, you need it to live. That's how important it is. John 20, verse 22. And when Jesus had said this, He breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you something. Would you like to have been in that room (laughs) when the Son of God breathed on you and said, Receive, and the Holy Spirit came in you when He did that? Okay, listen to me. You can have that experience every morning, every day, every night before you go to bed. If you'll open this book, the Son of God, the Word, will breathe on you. The life of God comes in you. Genesis, here's a scripture all of us know, Genesis 2, 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being, or that also could be translated from the Hebrew, that living being, speaking spirit. The life of God, because of the breath of God. And you think to yourself, man. I just love for God to breathe in me. Here it is. This is the breath of God. I used this illustration uh, a year or so ago, speaking of my my study time and us uh, on the weekends. What God does, and this is what I said. Because the scriptures, God breathes every week. I study Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. When I study, here's what's happening. I feel like I'm doing this. And then I walk around like this on Friday. (laughs) And then I come, and while I'm preaching Saturday and Sunday, I'm going... That's why you feel good when you leave. Not because I did a good job, but because the breath of God, more of the breath of God came in you. You understand what I'm saying? Okay, listen to me though. One breath a week is not enough. You can do what I'm doing. You can get up every day in the morning and before you, can you imagine, before you go to work, do this. And then go to work like this. Just full of God. Hey, before you wake the kids up, that'll probably help. (laughs) Breathing is part of His plan. Do you know why we have so many unhealthy believers? Spiritually unhealthy? Okay, I'm going to say something to you. They're suffocating. They're suffocating. Some of you here feel like you can never get it together. You can never overcome something in your life. You never do seem to have victory. You look around you, know, all these other Christians, they seem to have victory. I just don't understand what the difference is. Here's the difference. You have no air. You will not take the time to breathe in the life of God. So, number one, the word is life. Here's number two. The word is light. Light. Go back to John chapter 1, verse 4. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. Do you all know that we live in a dark world? We saw it this last week. Wasn't that one of the saddest things you ever saw? Uh, 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 Killing 32 people on a college campus. That's darkness. And then, and then, and I wish the news media would learn to quit doing this, to stop playing the video of the murderer. What a stupid thing to do. But he says this, I died like Jesus Christ. That's darkness. Unbelievable darkness. Okay, we live in a dark world. Let me tell you where the light is. It's right here. Let me tell you what you're doing. When you get up in the morning and you read just a couple of chapters, one chapter, just start doing something. One chapter, two, three chapters a day. You're turning the light on. And when you walk out of your house, instead of going to work in darkness, you go with a huge spotlight. Have you ever not known what to do? Ever? Have you ever known, not known which decision to make? Have you ever not known what to do with a teenager? (laughs) Mm. Turn the light on. Turn the light on. This is the light. I'm telling you, you will have such wisdom, such knowledge, and such understanding if you just read this book on a consistent basis. Hebrews 4, verse 12. For the Word of God is living and powerful. What an incredible statement that is! It's alive. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I'm just going to take one phrase out of that. It divides the soul and the spirit. Every time you have a decision to make, your mind, your will, your emotions, that's your soul, tells you what you ought to do. But have you ever thought to yourself, I wonder what God wants me to do? Okay, the only way that you can divide between what you want to do and what God wants you to do is through this book. This book is what divides, and it causes it not to be muddy anymore. As a matter of fact, if you stay in this book, it becomes extremely clear what you ought to do. But so many times we get confused. Why? Because we never turn the light on. Let me show you some scriptures that ministered to me. Uh, when I first got saved, I, I started memorizing Scripture. Fortunately, the evangelist that led me to the Lord made me memorize Scripture. And I worked for him. And he would give me assignments, and I'd have to give him the Scripture the next week. And he would give me passages of Scripture to memorize. I memorized all of Psalm 119. 172 Scriptures. I memorized uh, Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8. I memorized the Sermon on the Mount. I memorized Ephesians. I memorized all these... Books in the Bible, all these different passages, because the guy that I worked for made me do it. (laughs) But you're eating some of that fruit now even. Because when I go to prepare a message, I can't just see one scripture. I tie it with all sorts of scriptures all over the Bible. And let me just show you some scriptures that that really ministered to me. One of them in Psalm 119, you know it will be the second one. But I had to, even though I ended up just memorizing a few and then the whole thing, but I loved it because the whole thing basically says, the way to get your life straightened out is the Word of God. That's what Psalm 119 says. Let me show you a couple. Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a young man cleanse his way? you got to remember, when I read that, I'd only been saved a few months, and I thought that was talking just to me. <laughs> because I was a young man that needed his way cleansed. By taking heed according to your word. Verse 11. Your word I have hidden in my heart. You ever heard that verse? That I might not sin against you. What gives you victory over sin? Hiding God's word in your heart. Here's a scripture that I like. Joshua 1, 8. The book, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Okay. How are you going to be prosperous And how are you going to be successful? Meditate on the Word of God. But let me explain. There's a step in between there. After you meditate on the Word, because that's the first thing you need to do. Here's what's great. Here's what he says. You will meditate on the Word of God that you may be able to do it. And then you'll have success. Have you ever had difficulty doing the Word? Sure, all of us have. Okay, so wouldn't it be great if there was an easy solution to being able to do the Word? There is. Meditate on it. Memorize it. When I go in my daughter's room uh, every morning, she has a scripture written on her mirror that she's memorizing. And I didn't make her do that. But she's just learned to do that over the years. And uh, it'll change, you know, about every week or so. When she gets that memorized, then she writes another one in lipstick or something. She writes it all on her mirror. So while she's getting ready, she can just say it over and over. My uh, son, who's 21 years old, uh, memorizes scripture on little note cards. And I said to him a while back, he started over on a new thing in January. And in March, three months, three months, I said, how many scriptures have you memorized since January? Listen, he's 21 years old. He said, 126. And he started a job nine months ago, and he's moved up in the company so fast it's baffled everyone. And the owner of the company said to me, if I had a whole company like him, I'd make unbelievable, we'd just do unbelievable business. It'd be incredible. Because he's the best worker I've ever met. You know what, you want to know why? He's the best worker he's ever met. Because he knows this book. Listen, I know this sounds like a simple solution I'm saying. This is the answer to all your problems. I don't care what problem you have. Here's the answer right here. Why? Because it's light. And here's the fourth thing, third thing I want to tell you about the Word. The Word is Lord. See, I didn't miss this. I know we're talking about this. But this is talking about Him. John 1 again, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He... He, Jesus, was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. Without Him, nothing was made. Look at verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Revelation 19, verse 11. Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And He who sat on Him was called Faithful and True, and in Righteousness, He judges and makes war. His eyes were a flame of fire. On his head were many crowns. He had a name written which no one knew but except he himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. Watch. And his name is called (laughs) the Word of God. And if you don't know if that's Jesus or not, verse 16 says, And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Psalm 107 verse 20, He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Combine that with John 1 14 and the Word became flesh. See, who healed us and delivered us from our destructions? Jesus. But who's Jesus? He's the Word. Jesus is the Word of God. Now, let me clarify this for you just a little bit. John 5 39, Jesus said, You search the Scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify me. I used to misquote that scripture. I used to say, you search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life, but, but, these are they which testify me. And this week I saw, it doesn't say but, it says and. The reason I used to think it was but was because Jesus was rebuking the Pharisees. He was saying, you search the scriptures, but they're trying to get you to me, but you're not believing in me. You don't even see me. So yes, he's still rebuking them, but here's my point. It's not like he was trying to say one or the other. That's why it's not but. It's In other words, here's what he's saying. You search the Scriptures and and they're going to lead you to me. <laughs> and you'll see me. In other words, when you search the Scriptures, you're going to come to me. And you're going to have eternal life when that happens to you. You're going to receive the life and the breath of God. So... Here is why, when I read this book, I'm being filled with life and light. Here's why. Because I'm being filled with the Lord. I'm being filled with Jesus. The more I read this book, the more I'm like Christ. I I just can't tell you how simple of a solution this is to everything you're going through. To read God's Word on a regular, consistent basis. Now, this message is talking about the old gate, getting back to the old paths. When I finished writing this message, I was looking at it. The Word is life. The Word is light. The Word is Lord. And I looked at the outline and I thought, I think I've preached this before, but not like this. I don't know. And all of a sudden, it just hit me. The first sermon that I ever preached in my life, the first sermon I preached out of John 1, I had three points. Jesus is life. Jesus is light. See, I could use alliteration even back then. It's just a gift. (laughs) And Jesus is Lord. And I thought to myself, here I'm talking about the old gate. And this is the first sermon I ever preached. I didn't even realize it until after I wrote it this week again. And it's just like God was even saying to me, get back to the old paths. Get back to the old gate. Get back to the old thing that, Robert, you knew you couldn't do it if you didn't stay in the Word. You knew you couldn't be successful as a believer. You knew you couldn't walk righteously before God if you didn't stay in the Word. So that's what I'm saying to you. If you'll read this word on a consistent basis, you will be filled with the life and the light of God because you'll be filled with God. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes.